everyone. What's up? It's Jeff from Modern Combat Survival. Welcome to podcast episode number 263. Okay, I just gave the axe to five items for my bug out here in exchange for better options that are lighter and either just as effective or in some cases even more effective than my original gear. Now I'll share what those items are so that you can adjust your own survival gear plan if you so choose. It's all coming right up, but first, don't forget to grab this week's free show notes covering all the main points from our show. Just head on over to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 263 and grab it all absolutely free. And now, let's talk survival gear. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Okay, welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And look, everybody by now knows, if you even know my name at all, right, you know that I am a basically a bug out bag junkie because it is, it, it is the core of your survival planning platform it just it just is it is the one thing you can always count on no matter what phase of survival that you're in it is the one thing that you can use both in your home out of your home on your way to wherever your next destination is it doesn't matter it serves as your core pillar but it is not a one and done sort of thing it'd be great if it was but there's always more technology or better technology that's coming out there there are new things that are coming out that allow you to consolidate gear there are new things that are coming out that are that are um not as heavy so you have more lightweight stuff i just i love survival gear technology some of it's not even meant to be survival gear technology but it's just technology has a way of making things easier for us as we're packing this stuff up and in fact there were five things that i recently just changed in my own bug out bag and it's all a work in progress and i'm going to share those with you right now so that you can decide whether or not if you have these five items, you can throw them out as well. Okay. And some of them don't just go in the bug out bag, but I'll, I'll share what that is right now. Okay. All right. So number one uh, that I just got rid of is my survival knife. I know blasphemy, right? <laughs> Everybody needs a hardcore survival knife. And if everybody's listened to my stuff before, you know that I have always been a big proponent. I've liked uh, the Gerber LMF2. We give it away sometimes as a, as a special giveaway for our readers uh, over on Facebook, our followers and things. And um, I, I love this. It's always been strapped to the uh, to the outside of my shoulder strap on my bug out bag. It's always there. It's always dependable. It has a lot of different benefits to it that I use the, the survival knife for. It's very it's a very handy, very rugged survival knife. So if you do have a survival knife or you do want to get one. Uh, I highly recommend getting the Gerber LNF too. However, I just took mine off of my shoulder strap because um, the one thing I would I would not go without is my machete when it comes to any sort of a bladed weapon. All right, so I started looking at really what I used different blades for. So I always have like a pocket knife, and I have my Gerber LNF too, and I have my machete. And I realized that there was nothing that my knife did that I couldn't do with my machete or my pocket knife. And so, why have it? Because it's a relatively heavy piece of, of, of gear to put on my, on my bug out bag. And so, if I don't need it, then why carry it, right? And that's the way it should be with all of your bug out bag gear. If you don't need it, 
if you're not going to use it, if you go out, go out testing your gear and you find there's something that you never use, you have to really assess whether or not it's worth putting in your bag or not. Sometimes if it's super lightweight, like I can carry quite a bit of weight. So for me, I might go with a more is better type approach because I know my, li- my abilities to be able to travel, uh, to be able to carry things. Uh, so, so all of that is part of the assessment. What I decided was a knife was really not necessary for me. And so I always have my machete, which will do everything that my knife will do and more, or my pocket knife if I just need something like if I need to clip off some, some 550 cord or duct tape or whatever, right? So those are the only things that I really absolutely need. All right. So that was item number one. Uh, item number two is my mosquito net. Now, if anybody has read my Extreme Bug Out Bag Survival Kit book, uh, you know that one of the things that I have in there as a great piece of equipment is a mosquito net. Now, I learned this the hard way, being in, in you know, being in Panama, living in the jungle for so many, uh, for so many, well, for about a year, right? Um, being there, it's like if you can't get a good night's sleep, in I'm talking about even in survival, whether it's a combat, whether it's a mission that we were on, or whether it's a survival situation you're going to be under a lot of stress and strain and you really need to get as much sleep as you can when you have that ability. Now, anybody that's been camping and and underneath the stars during the summertime knows that it's really hard to sleep when you have mosquitoes buzzing in your ear, right? Or you wake up in the middle of the night and you're scratching all over because you were just, you were, you were hors d'oeuvres for a whole (laughs) slew of mosquitoes out there. So I've always said like a mosquito net is really, really helpful. We always use them before and they can also be used for other things as well, like as a fish net. So it can, you can make a fish trap out of the mosquito net. Now I've always used the one that I got from the military. When I was in the army, it was issued to us in Panama and it's a very large net. And so that's been always my thing with it is it's just, it takes up too much room. So it will fit inside of one of my tactical pouches, but that's valuable space. Everything is valuable space inside of your bug out bag. So it was always too big for me. Well, I decided to switch and just go with a regular head net, a mosquito head net. And this is something that in the military we had them and it was an actual hat and it, it, it was had like this metal rim around it that flung out into a big circle around your head to keep the mosquito net away from your skin. But I find that that's really unnecessary that you can get by with something that's much, much smaller. And you can use it, and and when you're sleeping at night, as long as the rest of you is covered up, or you have some means to be able to protect mosquitoes from getting under skin, all that really matters is having something so that they can't get to you, and 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 just having that confidence, even hearing the the mosquitoes buzzing, if you know that they can't get to your skin, you'll be able to sleep through it. And so a mosquito net is something that it takes up so, I mean, it takes up hardly any room now, and all you have to do is just wear a regular ball cap or even any sort of like, a, uh, what do they call it? Like those Australian uh, camo hats or, or, you know, in the military we had them as well. Like we had them from the, from the jungle training we had. It. But it, I forgot what they're called, boonie caps, boonie hats. So you can have those and the, and the mosquito net just goes over top of it and it drapes around your body. And so I find that that works just as well. Now, does that mean you're taking away your ability to be able to Use it as a fishing trap if you want to. No, actually, there's a way to use them where you can really just make a fishing trap out of it. In fact, you can suspend it on some things. It has a a drawstring cord on it. So whether you're using it to lure fish in, you can pull that drawstring. Or the way that I used to use the mosquito net was to lay it on the bottom of the uh, of the ground near the shore. So you were getting like panfish or minnows, 
and you basically scoop them up with it. Well, you can do relatively the same thing, even though it's not that that big. You can make a net out of it using some, uh, like a fish uh, fishing net. You can just take a branch, like a Y-shaped branch, and you can put the net in between there, almost as if you, you're making basically a do-it-yourself fish net like you would if you were uh, going out fishing and just, you know, bass fishing and you needed a net. So you can do it the same exact way there. So there's a lot of different ways you can use it for, uh, for that secondary purpose as well, which I, I like that a lot. Hey everyone, Buck Green here for MCS. We're going to be back with more of the bug out gear that Jeff just threw out of his bug out bag. But first, stay tuned for these special messages. In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival. Don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. Okay. The um, the third thing that I've got here, number three, is I did get rid of... I used to, it, it sucks to be cold, right? And it sucks to be wet. And I've always had a hard time finding a really good, like, rain... Rain suit that would be able to be able to keep me dry, but then also would be able to like I would have like a small coat with me that I'd be able to use in cold weather because it sucks being wet and it sucks being cold. And again, if you uh, do you want to keep morale up as much as possible, you want to stay as dry as possible. It's going to help you one stay healthy. It's going to help you stay warm. It's going to help you with your morale. And so I always had like a lightweight coat that I would ha- hide in there. And I would always put that inside of a vacuum seal bag to be able to take out all of the air there. So I didn't, it wasn't really bulky in there. However, you know, I started really thinking about it back in, when I was in 10th Mountain Division and we were part of, I mean, we did a lot of experimental testing of gear for the field. And we always had, in fact, we were, I was issued in basic training, the old field jacket. And it was a large jacket. We used to have to carry that thing with us inside of our backpacks whenever we went out, went out to the field and it was cold weather. And it, but it, I mean, it was big and bulky. It was the old school winter coats that you would have. Well, the, one of the first pieces of equipment that we tested out when we got to, uh, when I got to Fort Drum and 10th Mountain Division and we were reactivated there back in the, um, back in the mid eighties was we got rid of those water, those, those winter coats. And what we went with instead was a combination of breathable Gore-Tex as an outer shell jacket 
And then underneath it was polypropylene, which was a new, these were two new materials at the time that were being pitched to the military as, hey, this is something that can reduce the weight and the size of the, of the clothing that soldiers have to wear. And so it'll, it'll make things much better for them. Well, this is one of the things that did work out really, really well. In fact, we tested this one time and it was like, it was freezing out. And we got one of those, it was one of those, those training missions where it was like two o'clock in the morning where we got, thrust out of bed and it was like go ahead get dressed we're going on a mission and it was one of the it was like a surprise mission but it was freezing outside in fact that might have been even why they chose that you know to do it at that time but it was super super cold it must have been like the middle of january and we were told don't wear your bdus your your uh, you know your camouflage battle dress uniform so don't don't put on your uh, don't put on your regular clothes what you're going to wear instead is, and, and, and don't grab your, uh, your jacket. You're going to grab your Gore-Tex jacket and you're going to grab your, uh, your polypropylene and that's all you're going to wear. And we were all like, what? That's, it's freezing outside. What? I'm, it's basically long johns and an outer shell of like a waterproof coat. And I was like, that's, that's, that's insane. Well, I can tell you that that was the warmest I have ever been in that weather, even more so than when we were wearing our BDUs and had polypropylenes underneath them and then everything on the outside. When you had, the, when we took away the, the cotton clothing on the outside, in other words, the BDUs, that camouflage clothing, and all we had was the polypropylene material, which wicks moisture away from your body. And then that transfers it to the breather, breathable material of the Gore-Tex, what it does is it keeps the wind and the rain out, but it allows your sweat to be able to go out as well. So you're not, you're not, that's not evaporating. That's not making you cold there. And it was amazing how, especially when you're active, how warm you could actually be. So that's what I use now. So I use a combination of uh, polypropylene underwear that to help with the moisture wicking, keeping me warm. And then what I switched from my coat was a, a simple breathable, it's a, uh, Omnitech, I think is the name of the material. That Gore-Tex makes some also, but it's basically a, a wind shirt that is breathable yet will re, re, uh, will keep the wind out. It'll keep the rain out. It's super lightweight. It's very, very small. It's condensable. It'll go right inside of one of my, my small pouches, uh, along with a whole bunch, a bunch of other gear. And just the combination of those things works really, really well to keep you warm. And it doesn't take up hardly any other room. All right, so a a uh, a wind windproof Wayne uh, Wayne Wayneproof <laughs> Elmer Fudd here for Modern Combat and Survival. Um, no, so you what you want is a rainproof wind shirt plus polypropylene underwear, and you can get that both in the in the bottoms as well as the top as well. All right, great combination there. All right, so that's number three. Number four, we're gonna stick with the clothing here, okay? So I've always had a pair of hiking boots that I've always had. I've gone in between several different kinds that I've used um, because, I mean, you want something rugged out there, right? Um, and, of course, in the military, we always had our combat boots that we wore. And so, um, but the thing is that I started, this is another thing that I started really thinking about it. And it's like, you know, if if you really did have to be out there and if you're bugging out on foot, well, those boots really oftentimes do leave a lot of uh, blisters. And so when we were doing road marches and we would do a seven mile road march every week on Fridays, that was our, that was our PT. That was our physical training on Fridays. We'd do a seven mile road march. Uh, once a year we would do a hundred mile road march over a period of four days. 
And so I learned a lot about road marching. Anytime we went out to the field for training missions, it wasn't in a vehicle. It was typically we were walking out there, we were walking around there, and we were walking back from there. So we would do a lot of miles on our dogs here. So um, now what would happen would be if you were on a road march and your blisters got so bad that you were no longer able to truly walk in them, right? You, I mean, that's we're talking about pushing way past the pain here because there was not much, there's no mercy there. But if that happened, instead of just putting your, your sorry ass inside of the back of a Humvee and while everybody else is walking during the road march, they would, the first, the next step would be to put you in tennis shoes. And so somebody would still have to do the road march, but they wouldn't be wearing their boots. And everybody used to make fun of these guys and it's like, you know, they were, they were weak because they wore tennis shoes, but you know what? It was a way to be able to move on. Now, when you're bugging out in during real survival scenario, if you're on foot, uh, nobody's going to, I mean, we're talking about survival. We're not talking about you got to have the machismo of wearing your, your boots or your, whether your hiking boots or combat boots or whatever you're wearing. So wearing tennis shoes or actually what I switched over to were, uh, were trail, trail runners essentially. So they have a very good sole to them. But they're also extremely breathable. They're super lightweight because they're meant for running. And I use a pair from Zero Shoes. It's uh, Z-E-R-O. I think it's ZeroShoes.com. But um, I love these things. It's almost like you're wearing nothing. It has really good traction on the bottom of them. They're super breathable. So if they do get wet, they dry out very, very quickly, which is another great uh, benefit of them as well. And uh, so I switched over to these, and boy, I'll tell you, you are a, you you just you will fatigue less. You will be much more comfortable, uh, especially if if things get wet. Like I had waterproof boots before, and they it's great that they hold out water, but they also hold in water. So if you're sweating, a lot of times your you know your feet when they get wet, when they get damp, that's when you get blisters as well. And you always want to keep your feet dry and and uh, and warm. So that's a way that. Uh, so that's the one th- other thing that I switched. I switched from my hiking boots over to trail running shoes, and I'm a much happier camper. <laughs> All right. All right. So that's number four. Now number five is uh, is suture equipment. So in my, I, I do have inside of my medical kit. I tell people you should have some sort of a. Uh, the ability to be able to do, uh, potentially to be able to do suturing. And this is a big thing in the, in the survival medicine world is that everybody wants to be able to stitch somebody's arm up, stitch up your own arm, if you will, rather than doing the Rambo, grab some ants and have them, you know, bite onto your skin and pinch it on, take off their head like the, that's right. Gotta love the Rambo way. But, um, so I would always have, like, I was, I did have a suture kit inside of my medical kit. But there's this amazing, really cool little gadget that's out there now called Zip Stitch. Don't know if you've heard of it or not. I'm not sure what the website is, what the company's website is. I, I got it right from Amazon. This is the coolest little thing. So all it is, it's, it's like a, basically, a, it's like a, a suturing bandage. So you basically have a laceration instead of having to sew it up. You're, you're basically, especially in, in a situation where it's a short-term bug out, where you know eventually you're probably going to be able to get to medical attention here, okay? Um, but you can go ahead and you put the, the, it's a two-sided bandage, so the bandage goes on each side of the laceration, and in between them is this ladder, if you will. It's like a series of parallel pull tabs, and the, the ad- adhesion for the, 
for the bandages that go on each side of the laceration, if you if you look at like a deep cut there, you put that on there and they and they they're really sticky. So let's stick onto the skin there. Then all you do is you just go pole by pole. You pull on these little. Uh, if you think of like zip ties, right? Like how you pull it through and it like zzz, and then it like it tightens up and it won't go back. That's what these things do. So you basically just put this thing on the laceration and then you're basically pulling the skin close together. So you're using those zippies to be able to pull the skin together so it will bring it together. Now you can combine this with, for those of you that know, like with uh, super glue is oftentimes used as a, a makeshift suture, if you will, to be able to keep the skin together. But sometimes the bandages that you have aren't very strong enough, especially if they do get wet. The zip stitch does basically all of this. Now you can combine this with the super glue if you want, but it's a very adhesive strip. Helps you pull the skin together and keep it protected and tightly so it'll stop, you can keep the bleeding from, uh, keep the bleeding down, but then also protects it from the elements as well so you can keep it clean. So you irrigate the laceration, put the zip stitch on, zip it all up, put a bandage around it to keep it, uh, keep it protected and you're good to go. I love this thing. Super compact, much more than a, than a, a suture kit if you're carrying around like a little case or something. So I recommend that as well. All right. So those are the five items that I have changed in my own bug out bag or my bug out gear. Uh, and I'd like to hear from you. Like what are some things that you found that you've switched out either because of technology, because you found something better or replacement or something that maybe took the place of two things and you were able to do it in one. I'd like to hear from you. Make sure that you go ahead and, and go to our blog and leave a comment for us there. Okay. I'd love to hear from you and what you found to be super helpful with trading out your bug out gear. Okay. All right. And until our next modern combat and survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train and survive. Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.